podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike with the Fin Fans Podcast. Tonight I'm here with Jim Johnson. Hello everybody. And Louis Ragone. Hello, hello, hello. How are you guys tonight? Doing well, Great. doing well. We're 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 ready to get uh thinking about more draft picks coming up. All right. Well, we're we're going to discuss uh a few things that we dislike about the game. Maybe even hate. Louis. Yes. One of the things that really pisses me off is the insignificance of Monday Night Football. And the reason I called your name is because you and I have had the pleasure of attending some of the best Monday Night games in Monday Night Football history. And one of those games was the highest rated game in Monday Night Football history. It was the uh, Chicago Bears, who were undefeated, playing our Miami Dolphins. Tell tell the people about the atmosphere that night. <laughs> well... The place was absolutely crazy. Uh, you had Zonka. You had all the 72, well, a good amount of 72 Dolphins on the sideline. And the place was just euphoria. I mean, it was like I've never seen it before. Mike, we've been to plenty of playoff games. Have never, ever felt the way I did that night in regard to a place just being over-the-top crazy. Uh, there was just magic in the air that night, and the Dolphins just came out, and they scored immediately, and then they scored again and again, and, um, you know, they just basically buried the Bears early, and the crowd just couldn't get enough of it. It, w- it was just an, uh, just a phenomenal night, uh, one of the best games, maybe the best game I've ever seen live. Um, I don't know how much more you can say about it, but... Um, you know, that, that's my thoughts on it. Uh, well, the whole thing is it was the highest-rated game in Monday Night Football history because it was the only game uh, in primetime that week. Uh, now you've got Sunday Night Football, you've got Monday Night Football, you've got Thursday Night Football, and it just doesn't have the meaning that it used to have. Uh, back in those days, you didn't have football on every channel. You know, you didn't see the highlights uh, 20 times a week. Uh, you just didn't have the access to it that we have today. And uh, I, I think that that excitement and that electricity is missing from a lot of these night games. You know, you'd go to work and, and people were talking about the Monday night football game. Now, it, you don't even know if they watch the football game. You know, it's just, it's not the same thing. It's, it's not the same uh, uh, level of... Uh, national attention you know when when Cosell and that crowd came to town it was an event and it's not an event anymore it's just a football game Jim how how do you feel about it do you uh get the same vibe that I get yeah it's definitely watered down more than what it used to be you know when it was Monday night football it really didn't matter who was playing that's right. And it was just, you were watching Monday night football, and, and it didn't matter who was playing. You were the fan of football, not a particular team. And it was there was build-up for it. And, you know, oh, man, I can't, you know, we can't wait for the Monday night football. And it was an event 
that the whole nation tuned into. And you mentioned Howard Cosell. He was a big part of getting the NFL rocking on TV because of his, the way he announced a game. And now you mentioned, you know, we got Sunday night, we got Monday night, we got Thursday night. You know, a lot of the games aren't very good on these primetime events because you've got short weeks, short schedules, Thursday, and, yeah. and lack of practice time, and, and you can see some of the teams aren't really prepared. So the whole thing gets watered down a little bit, and if, and if you can't watch Monday night, well, then you'll tune in Thursday night, and if you can't do that, then you'll watch Sunday night. So... There, there's no build-up, there's no anticipation, and it's, you know, you so you, you don't really get excited about any of them. No, it's not the same. Uh, the other thing that, that I think uh, I personally detest about the NFL uh, is free agency and the, and the collective bargaining agreement. Lou, how, how has free agency affected the way you watch the game? Well, you know, it's hard, it's very, very hard to get attached to players. They leave... After a few years, you know, you draft players, you know, after three, four, five seasons, they're, they're gone. They're playing sometimes, you know, on teams that you detest, you know, teams in your own division. And a guy that you cheered for, now you've got to, you know, cheer against for the most part. So it's very hard with the way free agency is, is to get attached to players because, you know, at some point they're going to, they're going to leave. Now, Back in the day, obviously, you know, due to injury or whatever the case may be, just plain and simply getting old, guys would leave. But when they're halfway through their career and they're gone, you know, it 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 makes a big difference. When they just start hitting their prime, right? I mean, you know, after that rookie contract, you know, guys are leaving. It just makes it very difficult to get attached to players. You know, you accept it now as a fan, but. You don't really like it. I don't know of anybody who would like it. The thing to me is, as fans, we we are fans of a particular team. And, you know, we're here, a Dolphins podcast, and we're Dolphins fans. You can't really develop a love affair with, with players anymore because, you know, realistically, you know, you guys already touched on it. You know, you, you draft your number one draft pick, and he comes off his rookie deal, if he's any good at all, it's going to be a bidding war to keep him. And a lot of times that home team can't keep that draft pick because somebody's willing to overspend. And it becomes very difficult to get a nucleus of players together for any length of time. Uh, So to me, it takes a lot away from the team mentality. It does. As a fan... Uh, you know, your favorite players are now playing for the Cleveland Browns or they're playing for the Jets or somebody else. And now you're like, it, it's a love-hate thing now. Well, I used to like him, but now he's a Jet. And, uh, you know, I hope both of his knees explode now. So it's uh, it's just not the same team mentality. And I think that's the biggest hit that that's created. Well, the, the other thing, uh, you know, is a collective bargaining agreement. You've got it to where these these coaches cannot practice their players in pads more than 22 times an entire calendar year. And that puts a coach like Flores at a disadvantage over somebody like Belichick, who's already got his offense installed. He's already got his defense installed. And uh, uh, most of his players have been in that system. So even if a few guys are new and they don't get it, 
he's got all those players to help them along. Uh, whereas here, these guys are starting from scratch, and uh, it's going to be a little more difficult to, to get this team to a level where they're ready to compete come opening day. No question. Yeah, I mean, it, it has a major effect on, you know, how, especially with the, with the amount of coaching changes that are in the NFL, and it, that was a great point, Mike. You know, you, you have coaches coming in, and you're in a situation where you only have so many practice to where you can physically get guys doing what they're going to be doing at the speed of the game. And it's, it, it's really a difficult thing to do. You know, with, with the amount of time you have, you bring in new coaches, new philosophies, new, new game plans, new, you know, new playbooks. And, and it, it, it's got to be an extremely difficult thing to do. No question. Well, that's why you see teams that don't seem prepared for games. You talk about guys not tackling well. Well, hell, you don't get time to really practice tackling at all. You can't work on technique of tackling when those players need to be doing game situation things. So there's very little time to work on things at that full speed with pads and everything. So and it's, it's the same thing with offensive line play. It, it takes forever for an offensive line to gel because they don't have the physical practice. Exactly. And, you know, they let these, these new head coaches uh, start the opening season workouts early. But all that is is like a meet and greet and do some cardio and some lifting and, you know, run around and play pass and catch. I mean – Hell, we can do that. Uh, right. it, it doesn't really tell that coach. Do you know they're not allowed to talk football? Yeah, I, I did know that. Isn't yeah. that crazy? They can't talk about game plans or play calls or anything. It's a football team. They're not I allowed know. to talk football. It's crazy. I know. These players, these players <laughs> since high school have been practicing four, five, six nights a week, talking football all the time. Coaches, you know, they're talking them to them in class and after school, during school, at, during practice. And then you become an NFL player and, oh, no, we can't practice. You know, we can only have that, you know, once in between one game a, a week. And it's it's just not conducive to quality gameplay, I don't think. No. Let me tell you something else that uh, I think that we don't like. And, and that's the high salaries that some of these guys are making. And I understand it's higher in some of the other sports, but... Uh, uh, we're talking about 16 games here that these guys play. Uh, maybe 20 if you count preseason. Maybe 23 if you include a Super Bowl team. But uh, it's not an awful lot of games. And uh, these guys make an astronomical amount of money. Uh, the quarterbacks uh, making over $30 million now. Uh, the top-end guys, you've got uh, Ndamukong Sue with the contract he signed here that was for crazy money. Oliver Vernon out in New York for crazy money. Just it. how do you keep your players when teams are offering those kind of contracts? It just makes it impossible. And, you know, that, that what happens is that that cost is passed down to the fans. And now going to a game is crazy expensive. You pay it in advertising uh, fees through these companies, and then the products that you buy cost more money. So one way or another, whether you're a football fan or not, you're helping pay these salaries. Jim, how do you look at that? It's a catch-22. Uh, we touched on free agency earlier, and you know these things, these policies are in place to protect the individual player and all, so teams can't monopolize a guy and all that. 
And that's fantastic. You know, when you pay, have to pay a guy $30 million to keep him on your team, and none of these contracts are single-year deals. They're usually, you know, multiple years. So you're, you know, $30 million a year for three, four, five years. With, with a big guarantee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With, you know, $50, 60000000 million guaranteed. Or right. It's just, it's off the charts. And, you know, some of it is the players themselves. And a lot of it is... It's a bit of a bidding war out there. Everybody needs that, uh, you know, top flight defensive end and, uh, and uh, you know, shut down cornerback and uh, elite qu quarterback. Uh, you know, owners and fans all want to have those elite players, so there's a lot of pressure to sign those guys. And there's another big part that often goes unnoticed, is, and that's the players' agents. And they make their living off a percentage of that contract. Of course. So none of these agents are willing to have a player settle for a lower number because it's team-friendly or because they want to stay in Green Bay or Miami or New England or wherever. They want the maximum amount possible, so they push these players to go for broke, and they tell them about all the millions they're going to have. So that's kind of the way it is, and it, it trickles down to us as fans because we're paying for everything realistically. You know, from an $8 hot dog to a $12 beer to a $200 cheap seat ticket. And it's it's all coming out of our wallets. And uh, as long as we keep paying, then those owners are going to keep signing those contracts. Yeah, and, and that's just what it is. It's owners okaying those kind of contracts. And, uh, you know, it, it's if you look at a salary structure of an NFL team and you, you see the top 5% making most of the money, and that's really my problem with it. You know, if those salaries came down a little bit to a, a more reasonable level, there'd be money at the bottom of the roster for your guys like John Denny and, and people of that ilk. You know, who, who makes the veteran minimum? But anyway, uh, yeah. I, I, ju I just think it's not balanced the way it should be. If, you know, you look at the Le'Veon Bell situation, you know, and it's a perfect example of what Jim was saying in regard to agents. You know, do you really think that what he did was smart in nope. any way, shape or form? Um, what he, he lost 14 million this past yeah, that season. That he'll never make back. That he'll never make back. I mean, that, that this, this season's gone. And just think about how he's looked upon, you know, in regard to, you know, the, um, the fans, you know, and how he's looked upon as an individual now. I'm sure a lot of people who are fans of his, you know, maybe aren't so much anymore. You know, I think it's a situation where, like Jim said again, you know, the agents put these guys in a position where, you know, they, they hold the teammates hostage. The guy sits out the whole year, loses a ton of money. And I don't really think it's a very smart thing in any way, shape or form for him. So it's tough. And it all boils down to, like you said, the money. You know, the, the agents are getting a percentage and they get in the player's head and they, they make them believe that they're the greatest thing in the world. Yep. But five years from now, you know, Le'Veon Bell is going to be just another great running back in the NFL, you know. That, and he'll that be wishing that he had that went. $14 million. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So the thing of all the things that, that irritates me the most is, is the pussification of the game. And I think you guys know what I'm talking about <laughs> with my clever word there. They don't play football anymore. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's not the football that I grew up with. Jim, tell me about it. 
Well, we touched on it earlier about only 22 uh, full padded contact practices, and that's that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, Don Shula was practicing these guys every waking minute. You know, he didn't even want to give them a day off after the game on Sunday. <laughs> and now it's just not the same. You can't hit a guy high. You can't hit a guy low. Uh, there's penalties for this, that, and the other, and you know a team will be down by three scores, and and they'll sack they'll sack the quarterback and celebrate. Uh, you know you're losing here. So, I mean, I'm talking about them picking up the quarterback and laying him down gently. Well, yeah. Well, you you that's how you have to sack the quarterback now. Is you have to you have to you know touch him with two hands and then set him down gently. Yeah, it's it's just you know these. Brady rules and and the quarterback uh, can't be touched. You know these penalties when you get, you know, two fingers across the side of the helmet when the offensive lineman pushed the defender's hand up that high. He was he started out low and the, and the offensive tackle pushed his arm up and now it's a penalty on the defense. It's just you know Terry Bradshaw would not approve. Lou, do you think Ronnie Lott or uh, Lewis Oliver, or uh, if you go back a little further, uh, Dick Butkus or Jack John Offerdahl, Jack Tatum, do you think any of those guys could play under today's rules? I, I think that they, those that are still alive, are you know watching these games and just you know shaking their heads and in disbelief as to what the game has become. Um, you know, it's. It's gotten to a point where it's almost unwatchable at times. You know, when you're watching referees marking off 15 yards for slaps to the helmet, you know, on guys that are trying to bat balls down and just ridiculous penalties. Guys hitting low, you know, when they're getting pushed, you know, offensive linemen are pushing defensive ends, you know, into the quarterbacks and they're just laying into them. Um, You know, the referees really – should look at these things. And if there is intent to hurt the quarterback, I understand the roughing the passer uh, penalties, but some of these slaps to the helmet and just where they just fall into it, you know, somebody's leg or whatever, they've got to use better judgment on those. Uh, They should keep, you know, the flags in their pockets and move on and say, hey, play ball, guys. Because now now if you look at it, I mean, any, any NFL game that you watch, the quarterback immediately, if he gets touched, he's got his he's got his arms up in the air, and he's looking for a penalty. You know, it's almost like they're they're just, you know, and if they don't get it, you know, then forget it. You know, all the world comes to an end. But the the bottom line is that you know the referees. I think that you know the NFL is going to have to at some point look at this and say, hey, you know what, refs. You know, we've got to, you've got to let the guys play football. Now, if there's intent involved, yes, you throw the, you throw the flag. But some of these penalties are, are, they're, they're just ridiculous. I mean, I can tell you that when I first started watching the game, what attracted me to the game was the physical nature of it. Yes. That's what attracted me to the game. The, the hard hits, the, the, uh, great blocks and, and, you know, just the physicalness of the game. And, and today, you don't have that anymore. Uh, you really don't, not to the extent that you did then. Now it's the uh, pinball effect that attracts you to the game. You know, it's the uh, fantasy football numbers that attract you to the <laughs> game. It, it's, it's not what the game was made out of. Exactly. 
I think uh, guys like Manny Fernandez and Alan Page would have would have trouble completing one play without getting the penalty now. Yeah, I, I think they would have to change the way they play the game, and I wonder if they could all do it. I, I don't know how the guys do it. You know, the, the, the defensive players are just at such a, you know, they're at such a disadvantage, you know, when they're playing these games because – they can't do what they've been doing their whole lives on the right. on the defensive side of the ball, and that's hit the guys on the opposite side. Their hands are tied, basically. Yeah, I watched a couple of plays this last season where you know a defensive tackle or a defensive end would basically wrap the quarterback up but not hit him, and then the quarterback would flick the ball away, and the the defensive player had kind of stopped waiting for the whistle. What about William Hayes? Yeah. And well, that was our game, yes. It was well, one no, of our it, games. Was, it was more. I think there was one with Ndamukong Sue for the, for the Rams where he had the quarterback in the wraps, but yet they didn't blow the whistle, and he figured that the play was dead because he had him wrapped up, and it, and it went the other way. And this is on the rules because that defender thought he had the, game, you know, the play wrapped up, and he didn't want to draw the flag. And yet, yeah, but he's got to play to the whistle. Well, I understand this, but yeah. you know, I mean, if the guy's wrapped up, he's wrapped up, and it's, it's like, oh no, you know, if you're Cam Newton, it's a different set of rules. So it's it's very convoluted, and I just I just don't like it. Well, that you know that brings us to our last topic, which is botched rules and uh, replay. Lou, I'm going to let you handle the replay part of it because <laughs> I know you've got something to say. <laughs> Replay. Okay, so started out with what two, two challenges a half yes, for each team. Per team. Yep, uh, per team. It, it's you know it's now it's at a point now where every other play is being reviewed. You know whether it's uh, whether it's every touchdown's reviewed. It's to a point where you're watching a football game. And you literally have to just sit there through referees running over to the sideline, looking in a little box. They've got to come up with a little better system than what they have. If they had somebody in a booth at each stadium, a referee, could be an ex-referee, there's just such a much better way to do this. We see on TV in a matter of 10 to 15 seconds what it takes the referees on the field, two, three minutes. I don't, I don't know how long they have anymore. You know, I just lose interest in it. But the point of the matter is, if they are going to do that, and they're at a point where they review everything, then they need to come up with a better system. Because if the referees are on the field don't have to leave the field, you know, um, delay the game, run over to the sideline, you know, look at the monitor. If they can eliminate all that, then fine. If they want to leave that in the game in regard to reviews, then then fine, do it. But come up with a better system to where somebody up in the booth can just talk to the referees on the field through headphones and say, hey, listen, it was a catch, move on, next play. Because what happens is, is you lose a lot of momentum in these games. You know, as fans, you're you're watching a team drive down the field. And, Mike, you know, we've seen this how many times with Marino and some of the better quarterbacks. To we've where, talked about it for years. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, it's great to have a defense on on its, you know, you know they're, they're struggling. 
to stop the offense, but then all of a sudden a play has to be reviewed and the defense has five minutes to sit around. They're talking to their defensive coaches on the sideline and it changes the whole momentum of the game. And as a fan, I think it's a horrible thing. And I think that the NFL, again, has to come up with a better system to, you know, to, to get away from the delays over and over and over again. I mean, I don't know what the average is per game, but I would guess there's a minimum of what? 14 or 15 every game because every score is reviewed, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and now they want to uh, review penalties and a uh, bunch of other stuff. I mean, what, whatever happened to you get two challenges a half? <laughs> right. That's, 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 that's long gone. Uh, it should just leave it at that. Why does everything have to be reviewed when the coaches have their challenges? And if they're out of challenges, well, too bad, so sad. Right. It's a booth review now. Everything's a booth review, whether the referee, you know, it's, 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 it's just overkill. It's just too much. You know, refs are going to get things wrong with or without replay. It's been that way since the first kicked off of football. It's not going to change. You're you're not solving the problem, and that was proven last year in the playoffs. You know, there's going to be mistakes made. It's, it's human nature. Think, Mike. Think for a minute how the history of football would be changed had they had review back in the '60s, '70s. I mean, think about the immaculate reception. They'd Just still go be that. reviewing that. Just, They'd still be looking at 452 different angles to see if the ball hit the ground. Right. Just go to that one play alone, and if <laughs> you know, if if the, if the pit, if the Steelers didn't win that game, I mean, the history of football would be changed if we had review, you know, through the through the '70s and '80s, you know, sure. and and we were able to, you know, to get through it without all of it. And like to your point, Mike, you know, if we did it for all those years, we did without it for all those years, then then why not just maybe revert back to just the two challenges, you know, a half and, and let the fans enjoy the game instead of watching referees on a consistent basis? Because between that and the penalties, I mean, that's basically what you're doing. Well, you can throw commercials in as well, and that's a whole other subject in regard to the NFL because there's a there's a commercial <laughs> there's a commercial after every kickoff. You watch the guy kick the ball through the end zone, and then we go to another commercial. So you're watch you're sitting there for three hours, but really, how much football are you watching over those three hours? <laughs> you're you're lucky if you get half the sixty minutes. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Jim, tell me about the botched rules. Well, rules all over the field are just getting goofed up from one end to the other. And, you know, is it a catch? Isn't it a catch? Was it pass interference? Was it not pass interference? Uh, was it holding? Wasn't it holding? You know, why? This is the 100th anniversary of the NFL. Shouldn't they have this down by now? <laughs> and this is, my, this is my biggest pet peeve when I'm watching a game is these referees are getting paid good money. And... They can't be consistent with how they call a game. You know, they're making a call on third and long in the fourth quarter when a team is driving, you know, and they call a ticky-tack holding call on the opposite side of the field that they haven't called the whole game. And it's that appears to be altering the game. Whether it was a hold or not, it's just bad timing, bad Bad juju for the NFL in general because everybody throws their hands up and goes, what in the frig was that? 
you know, they're not consistent with pass interference calls. One of my pet peeves is is watching the highlights on, you know, the NFL network. They show all these great you know, receptions. And about half of them or more, they show the receiver pushing off on the defender at the very last second, and then he makes this fantastic catch. Well, and that's it, allowed if the ref doesn't call it. Yeah, well, it, it happens way too often. And, and if the defender, you know, stubs his toe and touches the receiver, it's pass interference. Yeah, but we're going to move the ball 65 yards downfield. Yeah, so, you know, there has to be some consistency out there. And if you're going to call holding on the offensive lineman on the interior when the play goes to the outside, then... You need to be calling that that right tackle for holding against you know the the defender that's going to sack the quarterback, and they they rarely call it. And it's Are you talking just, about Cameron Wake. I'm talking about you know any any elite defensive end does not get those holding calls, be it J.J. Watt or you know any of them. They just don't get the calls. It's like they're giving the benefit of the doubt to the offensive lineman, and then. You know, later on, they'll call a holding call on the inside where there was no impact to the play at all. It's just, it's just not. It's maddening. It's, it is. It's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating because a majority of the time they call these penalties when it's an impact play of some sort, be it a third down or a, or a potential sack or a, you know, a broken play or anything. And, and yet they'll throw this, this mystery flag and you, you watch the replay and you're going, Jesus, they called that play there. Yeah, That was, that was tight. There, yeah. You know? And then, and then you don't call a pass interference in the NFC championship game when the guy gets leveled. So, I mean, th this is not <laughs> acceptable. I mean, I'm no, not, I'm not. not a fan of replay in every other play, but if you're going to screw up the calls, then they need to have replay because we want the we want the right outcome. Well, you know, if you're going to do that, then you have one person up in a booth somewhere watching the damn game. They see what we see, and if it's wrong, they buzz the field. There's yeah. no sense for such a delay. Exactly. exactly. You know, the, they could make these calls, and we've talked about this before, Mike. We've you know we've talked about this before, and they can make these calls in New York or whatever home office they want to do it from. You know, we all see it on the jumbotron. They got 25 cameras on all different angles. We can tell in 25 seconds. What way, what way it should have been, yet it takes the referees three minutes to well, make this play. that's because they have to go to four commercials first. Well, I get it. It's all, it's, it goes back to those big salaries we talked about earlier. You know, yeah. it's, it's all money and, oh boy, we can sneak a half a million dollar commercial in right now. So That's it. That's it. All right, guys, you got anything else? Uh, did we cover everything, Mike? We did. I don't know. There's a lot of things we don't like. We could probably keep going, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if anybody will. I don't know if anybody will keep listening. So they may never listen to us again. Uh, I know it. I know it. I think most of the things we brought up, I would hope that most people agree with. Uh, you know, you may feel quarterback salaries is fair, and I get that, but I don't think the guys at the bottom of the roster making a half a million dollars is fair when your quarterback makes thirty million. That's all. Uh, you know, and you may feel the game is fine the way it is. It's not soft because, you know, you, you enjoy the high-scoring games. You know, everybody has their own opinion. But, you know, we're guys that have watched the game for a long time. And uh, the game that we fell in love with is not really the game that we're seeing today. And I think we all love the game still. We really do. But we would like the game better 
if it was the way it was. Yes, agreed. I, you know, I think there's some easy fixes, you know, to um, to making the game better. Now, whether that's going to happen or not, probably it's probably doubtful, but they have the ability to make some changes and to make the game better. What do you see as an easy fix? Well, you know, what we touched on in regard to the referees as far as, I mean, the NFL has enough money to put a referee up in the box and to give them the equipment that they need to do exactly what we do when we're sitting in our living rooms in regard to seeing replays, you know, over the matter of, what, 20 seconds? They show you three different angles. And we, we've made our decisions as we're sitting in our living rooms and we're like, what are they doing? Why is this taking so long? They have the ability to do that. That's one fix. You know, there's, there's, there's others too. You know, I mean, we can get into it, Mike, if you want to stay on for another 20 minutes, but I don't think I should start ranting and raving right now about that. I, I don't know. <laughs> there was one thing you said, Lewis, that I don't know about. You said the NFL has enough money. I, I don't know. They no, might. No, they, they don't. They don't have enough they, money. They might be hurting. I don't know. It's uh, you know, their ratings are off a half a percentage. You know, so <laughs> you know, this other league just folded. They don't want to follow in their footsteps. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. I don't either. All right, uh, Jim, why don't you close us out? Well, I just want to remind everybody that this podcast was born from a Facebook group, Miami Dolphins number one. That's Miami Dolphins hashtag number one. We'd love to have you join us over there as well. So look us up and uh, join us over there. We're talking Miami Dolphins football 24-7. All the latest and greatest news is up there as as it comes in. So we'd love to have you listen to us over there and i hope you uh please enjoy the show and listen like and share this podcast all right very good thanks for joining me tonight guys my pleasure as always jim sounds great <laughs> thanks Let's- for joining me jim <laughs> Let- <laughs> jim did, did we I- lose you did there I for a minute <laughs> oh, I-, I fell asleep there for a minute <laughs> I just want to give everybody a big fins up. Fins up. Fins up, doll fans. <laughs>